This is the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief, keeping you informed about the happenings in Annapolis and the area. Local news, local sports, local events, local opinion, and of course, local weather. The Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief starts now. Good morning. It's Thursday, January 17th, 2019. This is John Frenet, and this is your Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Yesterday morning, some social media posts created a bit of a stir in Annapolis. Shortly before 11 a.m., someone posted on Twitter that there was a, quote, active shooter on West Street in Annapolis. Police were very quick to dismiss that, saying that it may have been related to an earlier incident on Henson Place, where police were there with a large presence pursuing some suspects. But everybody was a little bit on edge because it was the inauguration of Governor Larry Hogan. And speaking of the inauguration, Larry Hogan called on Democrats and Republicans to work together and not go down the same path as their counterparts in Washington after taking the oath of office for his second term as the governor of Maryland. Now, Hogan is only the second Republican to ever be reelected as governor in Maryland and the first since the 1950s. He spoke from a stage set up on the northwest lawn of the State House in Annapolis, which is different from before where it used to face out on Lawyers Mall. This stage actually faced down Maryland Avenue. And he said that Maryland set an example for the rest of the country under his first term and asked that his partners in the majority Democrat-controlled General Assembly to continue working with him to implement bipartisan common-sense solutions. We have spent four years working together to unshackle the unlimited potential and promise of this great state. We debated, discussed, and reasoned together, honestly and productively, with integrity and sincere purpose. We argued without acrimony, negotiated without hidden agendas, and compromised without political posturing. We didn't demand Republican solutions or Democratic solutions. We sought out bipartisan, common-sense solutions that worked for the people of Maryland. We didn't surrender our principles. We simply practiced the art of the possible, and we trusted Marylanders to appreciate the distinction. Do the right thing, and the politics will work itself out. That was our plan. Hogan was introduced by former governor and former presidential candidate Jeb Bush. And during his speech, he gave specific nods to former President George H.W. Bush, who served with his father, Larry Hogan Sr., whom he also referenced in his address, and U.S. Senator John McCain, who was laid to rest probably about a quarter mile from where Hogan spoke yesterday morning. Late yesterday afternoon, the Capitol had an article which took County Executive Stuart Pittman by surprise, it seems. The U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement has sent a letter saying that it is ending its agreement with Anne Arundel County to house detainees at the Correctional Center in Glen Burnie. Now, if you'll remember, County Executive Pittman withdrew from the 287G program, which was the interrogation program at Jennifer Road, but he said he was going to keep the housing agreement in place because he realized that the conditions in Anne Arundel County were much better than other places across the country. When he made that announcement, County Executive Pittman did say that he was going to use part of the money paid by the federal government to house the detainees to go to the legal representation of those very same detainees. Yesterday, he told the Capitol that he doesn't know why ICE wanted to end the agreement. I can't even begin to explain their motivation. 
If you want to hear more from County Executive Pittman, the Maryland Crabs did a podcast with him last week, which was prior to this news coming out, obviously. And you can go over to the MarylandCrabs.com at noon, and that episode will release. And in that, we talk about the 287G program. We talk about the housing of the detainees. We talk about taxes. We talk about the budget. We talk about a 600-pound pig shoveling manure in the streets of Annapolis and the duct tape that held his boot together during the campaign. And another withdrawal news, this one's from Bill Wagner at the Capitol. And it seems like the Orioles are not going to be playing in Annapolis as they had promised they would do for a spring exhibition game. Last February, the Orioles announced a partnership with the Naval Academy, and officials have confirmed to Wagner at the Capitol that the Orioles will not play an exhibition game against another Major League Baseball team at Max Bishop Stadium as originally announced. Scott Strassmeyer, who is a Navy athletic spokesperson, said the Orioles are actively seeking another Major League team willing to play an exhibition at the Naval Academy in 2020. Now, if you were around in 2017, you will remember that the Nationals played an exhibition game against the Red Sox at Max Bishop Stadium. After that game, the Orioles pitched a fit with Major League Baseball, citing a territorial violation. Apparently, they felt that Annapolis was their town, and this is how they treat them. Thanks, O's. Some discouraging news about fatal overdoses in Maryland. There was a recent report that says fatal overdoses are continuing to rise. Deaths recorded in the first nine months of 2018 jumped 8% from the same period the year before to a total of 1848. Of those, 1,648 were related to opioids, and of those, 1,449 were specifically linked to fentanyl. The increase in fentanyl has actually overshadowed some of the other opioids. Heroin actually dropped 23% from the year before. Prescription opioids dropped 10%. And for a hot minute, we had carfentanil, which was an elephant tranquilizer, and that has gone pretty much gone away. There have been no deaths reported from that in the first nine months of 2018. The biggest increase in the number of fatal overdoses was Baltimore City, somewhat to be expected, at 664. The biggest drop in deaths was Prince George's County, which dropped by 38 to 90 fatal overdoses. But Anne Arundel County sits solidly in third place. Baltimore City leads the pack. Baltimore County is second with 296, and Anne Arundel County comes in third at 194. Following them up, we have PG County at 90, Harford County at 80, and 59 in Carroll County. And finally, as we wrap it up, this is kind of a fun list that comes out every year. Orkin, the pest control people, list the top 50 bedbug cities. And once again, Baltimore and Washington, D.C. retain the number one and two spots. New York City, they climbed up a little bit into sixth place from eighth. Philadelphia climbed up two place, and they are now in the top 10 at number 10. Probably the biggest gainer is Lansing, Michigan, who didn't make the list last year, and they debut at number 32, as well as Orlando, which debuted at number 41. So if you're looking to avoid bed bugs, be careful where you book your hotel in those cities. Now that I've made everybody itch and scratch because they're thinking about bed bugs, don't forget it is Thursday, so we have Trevor with your Annapolis Makerspace Maker Minutes. And we also have George Young from DMV Weather with a really kind of freaky local weather forecast. Oh, and finally, if you'd like to hear the full text of Governor Hogan's speech, hang out after we close out this episode. And I put the whole 20-minute speech on the end so you can listen to the whole thing right there just after we're done with the news. All right, that is about it. Hang tight. Here's George. Imagine your child saying, Guess what I learned in school today? 
At St. Andrews, it happens every day. We asked Emma and Lawson why. We grow winter greens in our garden to make smoothies. Second graders are the chicken checkers, and our eighth graders take care of our goats. Our classes are the perfect size, which means we get to know each other well. And our teachers know us. They're great. Visit St. Andrews Day School's open house on Friday, January 18th from 9 to 11 a.m. Or call 410-266-0952 for a tour. Going out? You need the most up-to-date local weather. Here's George Young from DMV Weather in Annapolis with today's forecast. Hey everyone, this is George with DMV Weather and this is your Eye on Annapolis forecast for Thursday, January 17th. First winter weather event number four of the 2018-2019 season is expected to move through the region tonight, likely bringing a little p.m. light snow that could continue into the a.m. hours tomorrow with overall expectations for one inch or less of accumulations, and we would be surprised if it even breaks the half-inch mark. But nonetheless, some flakes will likely fly, and there's a small chance it has a small impact on tonight's commute home as well as tomorrow's commute to work in the morning and school schedules in the morning. Friday will then bring a one-day break with sunshine in the 40s. And then comes winter weather event number five of the season on Saturday and Sunday. And it's a tricky one. In simplest terms, the Annapolis and entire DMV region is likely to see a little bit of everything from the p.m. hours of Saturday into the late p.m. hours of Sunday, including rain to a mix to snow or maybe freezing rain. And then ultimately, the one thing we're certain about, very cold air. This is a very difficult storm to forecast for the standard reason of an unknown storm track and overall temperatures across the region, both at the surface and several thousand feet up. There has been a significant amount of model shifting with this storm, more than the norm, and that is causing the big time spread and potential outcomes and the later than normal forecast on our part. We usually like to be about three days in advance. This time it'll be one to two days. Our greatest concern at this point is for temperatures to crash so quickly and so steeply on Sunday afternoon and evening, possibly going from the upper 40s or even 50s if the storm track is over us or to the north a bit, to the 20s in a matter of hours on Sunday, causing rain to not only turn to snow for four to six hours or longer, but simultaneously and fairly quickly, possibly causing what is considered a flash freeze of all of the water on every surface outside, which could cause major issues with driving and likely with school schedules on Monday as well, as temps will dip into the single digits or teens early Monday morning and probably only top out around 25 to maybe 30 on Monday. Bottom line, stay tuned for updates, but expect a little bit of every precip type to fall over the weekend and start to plan now for the possibility that work and school schedules and commutes could be impacted on Monday morning. Okay, that's it for today. This is George Young of DMV Weather. Make it a great day out there and be sure to get our free app by searching for DC MDVA Weather and also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and on our website at dmvweather.com so you can always stay weather informed. Join Anne Arundel Medical Center Foundation on Saturday, April 27, 2019 at our Denim and Diamonds Bash in Annapolis. Denim and Diamonds is a fun evening under the stars featuring fabulous cuisine and gourmet food trucks, live and silent auction, and a live band. Last year, AAMC cared for more than 2,000 patients in our emergency departments suffering from mental illness or addiction. Help us expand much-needed inpatient and outpatient programs and services for your community. For tickets and sponsors, 
sponsorships, visit aamcdenimanddiamonds.org. Special thanks to our platinum sponsors, AAMC Medical Staff, the Chesapeake Bayhawks, Comcast, the Evan K. Thallenberg Family, What's Up Media, and WRNR. Every week, makers, crafters, and educators hold events all over the area. Highlighting some of those, here's our Makers Minute, brought to you by Annapolis Makerspace. Hey, this is Trevor from Annapolis Makerspace with this week's Maker Minutes. Running now through March 6th at the Peabody Institute at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore is the Hackerman Map Collection. From colonial impressions of the Chesapeake Bay to detailed city plans for guiding Baltimore's rapid expansion, the exhibition features over 30 stunning and historically significant maps of Maryland and related rare prints and books. On Sunday at the National Electronics Museum in Linthicum is the Mark Winterfest. Mark is the Mid-Atlantic Antique Radio Club, and it holds its annual Winterfest swap meet at the Electronics Museum every year. It's an all-indoor swap meet with an auction open to all vintage electronics sellers. This week at Art Farm in Annapolis, tonight is another Make It Night with a watercolor and ink workshop. Start the new year with some visual self-care and paint your happy place. Lindsay of Elbow Craft will help you paint a scene filled with a few of your favorite things to get you energized for 2019. And tomorrow at Art Farm, there'll be a gallery opening and reception for Kelly Blorstad. Stop by and check out Kelly's works and all the great stuff going on at Art Farm. Also, Art Farm now has open studio space that you can rent, by the day or by the month. And while it's too late to get in on the full eight-week winter semester, there are some drop-in options available for things like sketchbooking, children's art classes, nature-inspired arts and crafts for kids, as well as cartooning. This weekend at the Benjamin Banneker Museum in Park in Ellicott City, on Saturday during the day, they have an onion basket workshop. An expert basket maker will show you how to create your own onion basket. Basket supplies are provided, but bring a lunch. And there's a few other things that they recommend that you bring, too, so check the website for the list. And on Saturday night, they have Where's the Bear? A full moon stroll, campfire, and touch station. Find out where the animals go in winter and see what animals might be out on a winter evening during a short walk. Then warm up by the fire and learn more. Be sure to dress warm and enjoy the warm beverages that they provide. And if you miss that or just can't get enough campfires, on Sunday they have a special event, a lunar eclipse campfire. Enjoy the total lunar eclipse and a nice toasty campfire with telescopes and astronomers to help inform you. This will be the last lunar eclipse until 2022, and you'll want to dress warm for this one as well. This week at the Anne Arundel County Library System, today on Mountain Road they're using 3D pens, creating three-dimensional items with pens that are similar to 3D printers, but you control them manually to doodle in the air. Tomorrow at Discoveries, the library at the mall, is a long winter's nap. Many animals hibernate during the winter, and kids will read some stories and do some activities and learn why the animals take this long nap. And then Saturday, at both the Eastport Annapolis Neck Library as well as Odenton, they're having build and play days, where you can go and build stuff with Legos. This week at Unallocated Space in Severn, tonight is their InfoSec night, tomorrow night will be their DEF CON Hacker Hangout Group, Monday is Project Night, Tuesday is for Analog Electronics, and Wednesday is their Open House and Lockpicking Night. Saturday at the Patuxent Lapidary Guild off the Defense Highway, they're working with vitreous enamel, torch-fired enameling. Students will make projects on copper by torch-firing enamel, working on torch skills and finishing techniques. The class is intensive, so be prepared to focus and work hard. And this week at Annapolis Makerspace, tomorrow night is Game On, our first analog game night. Video games are great, but there's been a resurgence in tabletop and family gaming, and we thought it would be fun to hang out and play some games together. We'll bring some of our favorite board and card games, but feel free to bring your own family-friendly games as well. It's a great way to try out new games before you buy them. Plus, it'll be fun to hang out and socialize. 
On Tuesday is our monthly general meeting and open house. We'll be conducting some makerspace business, but the general public is welcome to come out as well, as quite a few of our members show up for these meetings. And just like every week, Mondays are our official woodworking night. If you have an interest in woodworking or have some projects you want to show off or want to pick someone's brain or get some help using any of the equipment, Mondays are a great night to show up. And Thursdays are our weekly electronics night. Come on by and talk about anything electronics-oriented. And you can catch me tonight and every Thursday night at Annapolis Makerspace on Renard Court for Electronics Night. And you can find links to all of these events at the Annapolis Makerspace website at makeannapolis.org. And whether you're making art, software, sawdust, or just a mess, chances are you're already a maker. This has been Trevor from Annapolis Makerspace with this week's Maker Minutes. You've been listening to the Eye on Annapolis Daily News Brief. Tell your friends and colleagues this is the podcast where you can keep up on the latest with what's going on in Annapolis. And also tell them about our website, ionanapolis.net, where you can find even more information. This podcast comes to you every Monday through Friday at 7 a.m., keeping you informed with the Ion Annapolis Daily News Brief. And take a moment to listen to our other podcast, The Maryland Crabs, released every Thursday at noon. Without further delay, it is my incredible honor to introduce your governor, the first Republican governor to win re-election since 1954 as he kicks off another phenomenal term as governor of the state of Maryland, Governor Larry Hogan. Wow. Wow. Thank you all so much. You all look great out there. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. It is such an honor to be standing here at this historic State House where General George Washington resigned his commission as commander of the Continental Forces and where the Revolutionary War ended with the Treaty of Paris. And it is truly humbling to be inaugurated for another term as only the second Republican to do so in the entire 243-year history of our state. I want to congratulate my friend and partner, Maryland's great Lieutenant Governor Boyd Rutherford, and thank my beautiful wife, Yumi, who has been a wonderful First Lady for Maryland. I wouldn't, wouldn't be here today without the love and support of my entire family. President Miller, Speaker Bush, and all our distinguished guests, thank you for being here. Governor Bush, I'm honored by your presence here today. Your governorship was a model of leadership, and your entire family has been a shining example of public service. Last month, I had the privilege of attending the memorial services for your father our 41st president, a true American hero who represented the very best of our nation. And throughout his 
remarkable life. He showed us the true meaning of honor, courage, integrity, and humility. And as I listened to your brother, our 43rd president, deliver his beautiful eulogy, I could not help but think back to just the year before when I lost my own dad. And I had the difficult job of delivering his eulogy. My father was proud to serve in Congress with George H.W. Bush. He served on the House Judiciary Committee during Watergate as the whole world watched the impeachment proceedings. Despite tremendous political pressure, he put aside partisanship and answered the demands of his conscience to do what he thought was the right thing for the nation that he loved. Party loyalty, he said, and personal affection and precedents of the past must fall before the arbiter of men's actions, the law itself. No man, not even the President of the United States, is above the law. For our system of justice and our system of government to survive, we must pledge our highest allegiance to the strength of the law and not to the common frailties of man. With those words, my father became the first Republican to come out for the impeachment of President Richard Nixon. Now that decision cost him dearly. He lost friends and supporters and his party's nomination for governor that year. But it earned him something more valuable, a quiet conscience and an honored place in history. I learned a lot about integrity and public service from my dad. I miss him a lot, especially today. And as I look out at all of you, the backdrop is of the beautiful dome of the United States Naval Academy Chapel, where I attended the funeral of another American hero, Senator John McCain, a man with passion, toughness, and tenacity. Senator McCain wasn't someone who would yield easily, but he never hesitated to reach across the aisle to get things done. And he always put his country before his party or himself. As we look back on the lives of these leaders, it makes us yearn for something better and more noble than the politics of today. For those of us who have been given the privilege of serving, we could offer those men no greater tribute than to follow their example. Back in January of 2015, I was humbled, eager, 
and frankly a little awed by the opportunity granted me by the people of Maryland to serve them as governor. And in the incredible four years that followed, there has not been a single day, good or bad, when I was not grateful for the privilege. Thank you, my fellow Marylanders, for giving me the most important work of my life. Because of the trust that you have placed in me, I pledge to you that I will keep giving this job everything I've got every single day that I am given. Four years ago, I committed to usher in a new era of bipartisan cooperation and prosperity in Maryland, one filled with hope and optimism. I pledged to govern with civility and moderation to avoid attempts to drive us to the extremes of either political party and to uphold the virtues that are the basis of Maryland's history as a state of middle temperament. I believe it's because we kept that promise to put problem solving ahead of partisanship and compromise ahead of conflict that I'm standing here today just as humbled and eager and awed as I was at the start of my first term. We have spent four years working together to unshackle the unlimited potential and promise of this great state. We debated, discussed, and reasoned together honestly and productively, with integrity and sincere purpose. We argued without acrimony, negotiated without hidden agendas, and compromised without political posturing. We didn't demand Republican solutions or Democratic solutions. We sought out bipartisan, common-sense solutions that worked for the people of Maryland. We didn't surrender our principles. We simply practiced the art of the possible. And we trusted Marylanders to appreciate the distinction. Do the right thing, and the politics will work itself out. That was our plan. We faced our fiscal challenges with steady resolve and eased the tax burden on hard-pressed Maryland families, retirees, and small businesses. We cleared away the tangle of regulatory undergrowth and paved the way for historic economic growth and record job creation. We funded education at historic levels to give our schools the resources needed to prepare our children for the opportunities of the future. We protected the health care coverage of Marylanders and provided lower insurance rates for the first time in a decade. We met our transportation challenges head-on with historic investments in our infrastructure. And we practiced skilled stewardship of the environment, which resulted in a Chesapeake Bay 
that is cleaner than it has been in recorded history. Today, I ask my partners in the legislature to join in reaffirming our pledge to continue on this bold new path. Rather than engaging in mere rhetoric, let's continue to deliver real results for the people who sent us here. Let's keep putting people's priorities before partisan interests. Let's continue to tackle our common problems by accepting our shared responsibility to solve them. Let's repudiate the debilitating politics practiced elsewhere, including just down the road in Washington, where insults substitute for debate, recriminations for negotiation, and gridlock for compromise, where the heat, finger-pointing, and rancor suffocates the light, and the only result is divisiveness and dysfunction. Where getting something done for the people no longer seems to be a priority. There's plenty of blame to go around. People on both sides of the aisle refuse to even give up even a little to get a lot done. And neither side really wants to make progress. They just want to make demands and win arguments. That's not governing. That's just political theater. And most of us are sick and tired of all that drama. Look, I'm willing to stand up and fight for the things that really matter, but not for status quo politics and not to perpetuate polarization and paralysis. I come from the get to work and get things done school of politics. And I'll work with anyone who wants to do the people's business. We all have enough worries, stress, and drama in our private lives, don't we? We might have a sick child or an elderly parent to care for, problems at work or in school a spouse who lost a job, or a close friend who's hurting. Maybe we received a tough di diagnosis, or recently lost someone we love. We all suffer enough challenges in our lives that give us plenty to worry about. You shouldn't have to obsess over or argue constantly about angry and divisive politics. You should be able to have confidence in the character and competence of the people you elect to office, regardless of their party affiliation. You should be able to trust that we'll do our best for you to solve our problems. Those of us blessed by your trust should give you a government that doesn't act as if it's something apart from you, but one that is of the people, by the people, and for the people. A government that appreciates that no one of us has all the answers or all the power. A government 
that tolerates contrary views among a diverse citizenry without making them into enemies or doubting their patriotism. A government that can discuss and debate with as much civility as passion and with a view to persuade, not intimidate, to encourage, not demonize or defeat. That is exactly what we have succeeded in providing to the people of Maryland over the past four years. A humble, tolerant, respectful, and effective government that has worked together and found bipartisan common sense solutions. A government that took on the big problems and made things better for the people we serve. A government we could all be proud of. As I stand here today, I'm hopeful and I have every confidence in our collective ability to continue giving Marylanders a state government that is just as decent, hardworking, and pragmatic as they are. Harry Truman once said, men make history, not the other way around. Progress occurs when courageous, skillful leaders seize the opportunity to change things for the better. It isn't always easy to put the public good ahead of personal and partisan interests. If it were, then leaders like George H.W. Bush, John McCain, and my dad would not have stood out from their contemporaries as much as they did. Those men had the wisdom to know that no success is more satisfying than living honorably and keeping faith with the people who gave you their trust. While the tenor of today's national politics may have strayed from the noble example they set, I still believe that what unites us is greater than that which divides us. And to those who say that our political system is too broken and can't be fixed, I would argue that we have already shown a better path forward. And if we can accomplish that here in Maryland, then there is no place in America where these very same principles cannot succeed. So, on this historic day, in this historic place, let us once again pledge to seek that middle ground where we can all stand together. Let's keep changing Maryland for the better, and let's continue setting an example for the rest of the nation. Thank you. God bless you. May God bless the great state of Maryland and the United States of America.